Ladies and, well, ladies, we're talking business. Ladies' business. No, not that ladies' business. Ladies in business. Especially tradie business. Whether you're a CEO, self-employed, working for someone or supporting someone else in theirs, this is a podcast about ladies in tradie businesses. Join your host, Nick Cox, one half of Tradies in Business and the Tradiepreneur Program, as she interviews inspirational, everyday, motivational and extraordinary women from all industries and walks of life about what it takes to be a truly successful, modern lady in business. Hello, ladies, and welcome to the Ladies in Business podcast. Now, I don't know about you, but up until this year, I have really struggled with time management and productivity. The end of last year, surprisingly, for the first time, should have been many other times, I found myself really burnt out. Now, I'm very lucky to have a really supportive business partner, and we've made some great big changes this year to our working balance so that neither of us are feeling so burnt out on a day-to-day basis. And that's a big part of what we're talking about today with my guest, Donna McGeorge. Donna, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to talk to you today. Can you tell me, how did you get into the productivity game? Well, I reckon it's because I was raised by a Navy dad. And so when you're raised in a military context, you uh, there's, there's little weird idiosyncrasies that happen. One is punctuality. I'm insanely punctual everywhere mm-hmm. I go, so much so that I'd rather be an hour early than five minutes late. It's kind of how we roll in our family. Um, and then, of course, we moved around a lot. And so we were really good at packing up and going or minimising. And, and so I kind of picked up a lot of things from, from, from the Navy aspect of my world. But then my mother is an artist and, and she was always restoring furniture or doing paintings. And so I've managed to get this really glorious blend of um, productivity and getting stuff done with sufficient flexibility to adjust and change as and when things are required. So that's probably what started it. And then I've always just been one of those people that's just good at getting stuff done. Um, mm. And so I started writing about it and lo and behold, people bought my books. <laughs> and books you have, you have a few. My uh, The book that I've read just recently of yours is The One Day Refund. Hello, are you listening? You can get a whole day back and not just once. You can repeat it time and time again. And it, it unknowingly to me when I picked up this book, not only did it resonate with everything that we'd actually done this year to make change for ourselves, it gave me a kick up the pants around productivity and the time I waste without being conscious. I will tell you, and you will no doubt laugh at this, I could not find my glasses before I walked into this interview today for love or money because I did not put them in the right spot when I took them off earlier That's such, see, this is one of the first things. So for your listeners, one of the first things, and I'm sure we'll get to the point where you say, hey, give us some tips. Well, I'm going to give you one straight up right now. That's one of the most interesting things about, um, I think, about productivity that we don't think about, which is around the house. How productive are we around the house? And with a lot of people working from home over the last couple of years, it's become a little bit more obvious. And so this idea that, you know, I go to leave the house and I can't find my keys, I can't find my glasses, can't find my wallet, can't find my sunnies, you know, and then if I've got kids, now I've got kids, can't find their shoes, can't find their backpack, can't find their soccer ball, whatever it is we're leaving the house to do. And there's this chaos that ensues. Mm. And so not only does it take time to do all of that sort of stuff, but the energy that that sucks. So by the time that you actually get in the car and get out the door, you're 
stressed out, mm-hmm. right? And so there's place for anything and everything in its place. I know it sounds like something that your nana would have done on a cross stitch 30 years ago, <laughs> but it's a really useful tool to, to even if you have a bowl that says this is where the sun is, the keys, the wallet, the I don't know. Sunscreen goes, so when we leave the house, it all goes together. It's really, I'm sorry. I know you weren't meaning for me to go there, but it's like it's such an interesting aspect of our world that that um, the friction that that creates. Yes. Uh, I, that was the entire point, actually. It was the friction and the time suck for the ten minutes I spent trying to remember where I put the glass. I've got four other pairs. I know where all of they are, but they weren't the ones I wanted to be wearing today because these ones help me see best. But it, that's ten minutes I wasted that I could have been answering emails or doing some prep or actually just sitting and taking some time out, which is what I really would have liked to have done. And the biggest kick up the pants for me in reading this book, it has only been since Christmas when we made some crucial decisions within our business that I've remembered that I love to daydream and I had forgotten that that was something that I could do as an adult because I am so, I'm, I have five children, they're all adults now, so I've left the super busy stage of their lives and it's still complicated, it's still busy, there's still people to feed, there's still... You never stop parenting, do you? You never stop. My daughter's 30, still parenting. Yes, it never, you're absolutely right, my dad still tries to parent me, I must say. I I hear you. (laughs) So I'm sure I'm not at the super busy stage of life like I was before, but I am still very busy and I had forgotten how to take that time out to daydream and I'd only remembered in the last six months how much I loved reading and I can read... If I make the time, our listeners can't see my air quotes here, but if I make the time, I can devour a book in a day. It's no problem for me. I really love reading. And I just didn't allow myself any of that downtime, that time Mm. where I wasn't having to be thinking about the 20 things on my plate at once. And then let's not mention the other 55 that were sitting in the back of my head that I weren't really paying any attention to anyway. So I guess I really would like to kick off today with that that time space that you talk about quite a lot in your book um, really resonated with me, was really exciting to read that and feel I felt quite affirmed that it was great to take that time out on a day-to-day basis. How did you come across that concept in the first place? Was it through self-discovery or was it through a teaching something that you learned along the way? And then can you tell our readers a little bit more about it and how they can help themselves take that practice into a daily basis? Right, so it's a little bit from side A and a little bit from side B. So personal staff and then research. Mm. So it probably started with, I didn't know what I was doing back then, but I've always been a fan of something called the Disney pattern. Mm-hmm. And so the Disney pattern is based on the way that Walt Disney used to work. And so when you'd go and meet with Walt Disney, you never knew which Walt you were going to get. You might have got Dreamer Walt where anything was possible. Mm. You might have got realist Walt where you presented an idea and out would come the calculator and he'd start working out what it would cost. Or you might get critic Walt, which would say that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Mm. And this is, he had a reputation for being a bit interesting. But that idea, I actually use that model when I'm doing ideation. And so I talk, I don't think we spend enough time in dreamer state. So you call it daydreaming. I call it when we're in dreamer state. And dreamer state is sitting back in your chair, looking at the ceiling, just pondering. It's the kind of nights where there's, you know, just recently we had a $120 million Powerball went Mm. off, right? They're the nights where you lie there and you go, what would I do with $120 million? How could I possibly begin to spend that? What would that even look like? And that's daydreaming. You don't need the voice in your head going, you're probably not going to win. There's a one in gazillion chance you're going to win. That's kind of critic and realist. And they're with us a lot. 
Yeah. Right. We spend a lot of time. Most of us spend a lot of time in realist, which is we've got to pay bills, we've got to get stuff done, we've got to make things happen. We spend a lot of time in that space. Mm. And so the dreamer space is meant to be for for me anyway. It started out as every year I make sure I take a vacation. Um, and I try to, I, I, I like beaches on my vacations mm-hmm. and I particularly like the Pacific Ocean. Mm-hmm. So I try to get somewhere where I can see the Pacific Ocean and I sit and dream for at least half a day. I just put my head back and go, I wonder what would happen if and what would be possible and daydream and just ponder. And during the pandemic in particular, I didn't get access to that. Mm. And I started to notice that I wasn't as just good even at the realist and critic stuff. So the critic's not a bad thing. It's that's about being able to really discern what you should should or shouldn't spend your time with, frankly. But I really felt that I missed that. And so when I started researching that, and then I was like, why is that? Why am I feeling a bit unsettled with this? And it turns out that first of all, daydreaming is very good for you, it's like extremely good for your mental health. Um, and accessing and the science behind it is you're accessing things called your alpha brain waves. Mm-hmm. So if you think that realist and critic uh, are operating with beta brain waves, they're your average brain waves every day that you're using to read emails, to do stuff, to do work, to make decisions, whatever. Your alpha brain waves are the ones that come up when you are daydreaming, when you're just just when you're waking up or just about to fall asleep, when you're in the shower. Uh, when you're driving a fairly long distance and you kind of get in that zone where you can't remember the trip, right? It's not dangerous. It's just that you're in the bit of zone and alpha brainwaves are in control because it's your alpha brainwaves are the ones that help generate creativity and ideation and and better problem solving, more creative problem solving. Mm. So I think if we're not making time for that, then we're probably in a very quick, reactive, almost, you know the phrase short fuse? We're constantly operating with a short fuse. Something goes wrong, bang, I've got to come up with an answer. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you allow yourself the space at some point in your day to let the alpha brainwaves out, you come up with much better solutions, Mm. much better solutions. I think that's, um, it's well, clearly it's a fantastic point and leads into something I wanted to point out today was a big part of last year when I was feeling so fatigued, I was exhausted, um, I couldn't make good decisions anymore. I had decision fatigue as something else that you talk about in the book. I couldn't, I'd come upstairs after a long day at work and I love what I do and I'm very blessed to be able to do it in an environment that I enjoy. Um, I have everything at my fingertips. I have nothing to complain about and we were so busy and hustling so hard. I wasn't taking any time out. You'd get to the weekend, sure. I still had a weekend off every weekend. I was very blessed to have that and allowed myself to fill that up with too much stuff. So I'd get to the end of every day and I'd walk upstairs and somebody would say, what are we having for dinner? And it'd be just the very last straw. I don't know. Can't somebody else think about what's for dinner today? I cannot think about how to make a decision about what's for dinner. And that was a big part of that overwhelm for me was just, I I, I couldn't make a, a choice about anything much at all. And I hadn't really found that for myself before. Is that just simply fatigue and it's overwhelmed? There's just too much going on? It's, a, it's a, again, combination of both. So first of all, decision fatigue is exactly that. If you imagine, we'll just pick a number just to make it easy. Imagine you can only make 100 decisions a day before you're just not capable of making any more. It's being quite discerning about where you spend your decisions. And so when you run a, a small business, for example, you know, if, if, I'm the, if I'm the owner of that small business, am I making decisions that other people in the business should be making? 
Am I wasting my time doing small, making little decisions? I really should get out of the way. Let other people make those decisions and I get up and make the smarter, more meaningful decisions that are important. So there's that aspect. Um, there's that aspect of it. But there's also the thing that, and look, I'm, I don't mean to be sexist about this, but, I'll, but I will talk about women just for a second, mm-hmm. is that women carry a lot of personal admin in their heads. So they might be very good at doing to-do lists around the business, um, around getting their, getting their work done. But what's in your back of your head right now is it's Nana's birthday next week. I've got to send a card to Auntie Kenlin. I've got Cousin Bob. I've got to make brownies for Cousin Bob's birthday this weekend. Like all this stuff that we carry, which, I mean, the joke is at Christmas when you watch, I think I saw a meme about this where it says, just watch the, your father's look of surprise when you unwrap the present from him, right? Because he has no idea what he's bought because mum's done all that, Right. And so I do think there's a lot of that. So, so when I help um, women in particular who might be what I call pulling the double shift where they're running a business and they're running a household, I'm like, do you put the same level of dedication to your to-do lists and your productivity around your personal admin mm. as you do? And that's why you get to the end of the day. So you've made a bunch of decisions in the business, probably some very big, important ones. Someone says, what's for dinner? It's like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> Seriously. And, and then, and even if you might have ticked everything off on your to-do list, you sit down and you go, I still feel like I'm overwhelmed and my mind is racing and my brain is full. Mm. So big, this tip, you haven't asked for one, but I'm going to give you one anyway. Tip is to do something called wipe the mind uh, at the beginning of every day. Grab a piece of paper. You've seen, you, you might have heard, read it in the book. And you write down everything that's on your mind, not everything you have to do, Yes, everything that is on your mind. And that you know, that that leaves space in the brain because, as we know, the human brain, well, you may not know, but the human brain is for having ideas, not storing them. Yet we use our brain for storage when we shouldn't. So that was a bit of a rant. Sorry, I'm, as you can tell, very passionate about what I do with this stuff. I love it. I love it. I love it. You're singing my tune. So, Donna, tell us, how do we get a day refund? How do we do it? What's the principle behind it? How do we get from where we are today where we don't have enough hours in any day, there's not enough days in the week, let alone the month or the year, to actually getting that time back on a regular basis? Yeah, so there's a a couple of aspects. So the first one is what I call the 15% rule. And this is where we start to look at our diary, our days, our weeks, whatever you want to call about, call it, and you say, I've got to figure out how to pair things back by 15%. Um, and so technically that's an hour and an hour and a bit a day or six hours a week, or you know, it it, it goes up. Over a seven-day period, it's eight hours. Mm-hmm. And the idea here is not necessarily that I'm having a day off. It's not so the one-day refund is not about, yay, I get a three-day week. You can go for your life if you want. Um, it's more about I'm I'm shifting my activity horizon. Mm. And so I don't know how many of your uh, listeners ever have the experience of a very busy day and then a meeting gets cancelled, mm. right? And how do, you feel, how do you feel? How do you feel when a meeting gets cancelled? Sometimes I'm really sad because I was really excited about it. For the most part, though, it, it just gives me that hour's space that I didn't have before, so I'm relieved and excited. That's it. I get relieved. I get excited. One of my clients referred to it as, oh, it's a purple patch. Yes. Um, and they're so rare. And I'm like, what do you mean rare? Mm. Oh, you know, because you got to, he couldn't believe he was saying this. As it was coming out of his mouth, he realized the stupidity of what he was saying. I have to wait until someone cancels something. Mm. And I'm like, we have to wait. <laughs> uh, I wonder what would happen if you just protected a purple patch. And, and this purple patch is, a, it, I mean, if you want to put your feet up and daydream and rest, all power to you. 
but it's really about you get to choose. Yes. So too often we're at the mercy of other people's agendas, other people's needs, particularly women at work. They're, they're not just running their business. They're being pulled, whether they've got to do kids' extracurricular activities, some maybe even supporting their partners in their business as well. Like there's so much going on that this hour is for you to do anything that your future self will thank you for. Yes. So it could be catching up on email. It could be getting three proposals done that have been sitting on the back burner for a while. It could be finally getting a social media plan together for the thing because I just keep putting it off. So activity horizon, how I think about it is, if your horizon's behind you, you're playing catch-ups. If it's in front of you, you're getting ahead of the curve. Mm. And so that one-day refund, that 15% of your time is to help get that activity horizon in front of you. Mm. Now, this doesn't happen for everyone, but I have had clients, and it happens to me all the time, but I have had clients that say, I I ran out of things to do. What do I do now? And I said, that's okay. You can just take the afternoon off or go sit down, go read a book, go chill out, whatever you want to do. Um, Or what have you got that you want to plan for? What's something you've always wanted to do that you never had a chance to think about? And so it starts with pretending, and now I've got my um, quotes happening, (laughs) pretending something's been cancelled but you're actually proactively protecting that time. Um, And the other thing is to remember, we've been indoctrinated with, I think, we've been led down a garden path with poor productivity or what we consider of as work. Yes. And so, you know, hard work is how you get ahead. It has to be hard, 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 constantly on. You know, you run your own business, oh, you're never off. I'm like, that's a crock. Like, mm. I think we've been, you know, even my mum would say to me, are you busy? Are you booked out? Because the measure of success is this busyness booked out. And some people wear busyness like a badge of honour. Mm. And so I'm, I put it to you that what would happen if you operated it only rather than 100% on 100% of the time, about 85% on. And that's how you begin to claw back some time. It's incredible, you know, when we talk to our tradie clients, we talk very much about productivity targets for team as a way to motivate them to get the work done, to ensure they're making the right gross profit, blah, blah, blah. And whenever we talk to our tradies about what their team members should be running at, it's 80%. Mm -hmm. We should be hitting a target of 80% productivity in every single day. Now, there are varying ways to measure that. For them, it's it's messy in their head. It's a difficult concept to get over. And that's because they don't do it for themselves. They don't understand how to take that 15% of time back. And it's such an easy, simple concept. When we talk about it, you and I together, and we do do this in our days and we're able to find that time. And yet so many of us struggle with doing this. What is it about us and our makeup and our personalities that prevents us from finding just that 15%, just blocking out an hour and a half every day to have that choice around what we're going to do with that time? First of all, I reckon it's because we're a little bit like um, starving dogs in Bali. Uh, that They never know where their next feed's going to come from. And so when you run your own business, there's always that nagging fear of, I never know when the next gig's going to come. What if I run out of work? What if this never happens? What if I end up, what if this is the last best march I'm ever going to have, right? And so we kind of, it's very hard to say no to work. So the first thing you have to do for yourself as a business owner is figure out what is 100% capacity for you. So I know that because I know I only take work on certain days of the week and I'll only take a certain amount of coaching clients before I consider myself full or only take a certain amount of speaking gigs or podcast recordings or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I know I know what full looks like and so therefore I, 
I absolutely protect and say, no, I can't do it this week. Can we do it next week? Mm. And so if you're running a business, you really have to understand what capacity is for you. And then there's a couple of ways you go. And so then you say, okay, if that's 100%, what does 85 look like? And so now I'm going to have to start maybe saying no, or I'm going to have to start scaling. Mm. So it's perfectly okay to say I want to build a 10 gazillion dollar business. Go for your life, like all power to you. You still have to understand that, at, you know, someone asked me this recently, Don, if you scaled your business, what's the first thing that would break? And I thought it was such a great question yes. um, because I didn't think it was me because I'm good at managing my time. So I don't think I'm going to break. So I said, I don't think it's me. I they were expecting me to say me. I'm like, no, no, I think I'm good with that. But I think my systems would. Yeah. I don't think I've got the systems to manage that level of capacity. Yes. But I reckon a lot of your listeners right now would probably be saying the answer to the question, if you scaled, if you some, if all of a sudden your business doubled, what would break? I'm pretty sure they'd say them yeah, because right. they're managing too much stuff themselves. So if I'm if I'm running a business now and I am suffering from decision fatigue and I'm doing too much and I'm too involved, I've got to start shifting my thinking from involved to essential. Mm-hmm. So what are the essential things a leader in a business or an owner of a business has to do versus I don't need to be involved. And that's the first opportunity you'll have to claw back some time mm-hmm. is to say, I'm going to not do stuff. So you need a not a to-do list. You need a not to-do list. Here's 10 things I am not going to do anymore and I'm going to train up my team and I'm going to put in systems to manage that. Absolutely. We call them stop to start lists. You've got to stop yes. these 10 things to start taking some of that time back. Love it. I'm going to steal that. Please do. It's about leveraging your time, isn't it? Because yeah. and, and that's the whole reason we bring employees into a business or we have subcontractors working with us as business owners. It's about leveraging our time and putting ourselves into a critical position so that we can make those critical decisions rather than the everyday decisions. I don't need to worry about um, the back end, even for example, today, you and I didn't speak until today because we have team members that assist us in getting this up off the ground. They've booked in our time. You and I have enough time for a chat beforehand, but all of it is done for us. We don't need to worry about it. it we just go to our calendars. We know, again, because we understand our capacity, we know that today there is only so much on. I know I have an appointment with you. I've got time to prepare. I have time after our podcast chat today to actually just debrief and take that time out as well before I move on to my next task for the day. And that's what we all need as business owners is those other people in our business to run block on our time, to protect our time for us as the business owners and then leverage the decisions that we do make. So I need to be able to make a decision about my social media marketing and pass that information on to the relevant people in our business that can then go out and organize that for me. Now, I understand that if we are just the one person running the business and doing all the things, that seems impossible. It's another huge thing to do. And yet there are apps or there are people that you can subcontract to for a small amount of money, or there are other ways that you can organize some of those critical decisions and pass them off. So other people are able to do that for you and begin to leverage your time to buy back some of that time. Absolutely. Sorry. Sorry, go on. (laughs) We were talking. (laughs) We're both so excited about this. Absolutely. We were talking earlier about finding those those leverageable positions of time and so many of the people we talk to feel like I'm just too busy to be able to start working on my systems so that I can start offlaying some of this. So I just wanted to come back to maybe some of those tips around learning mm-hmm. how to leverage that time in every day. Yeah, and, and you know, 
the people that say to me, I don't have the time to think about how I'm spending my time. Yes. That's that's really what we're talking about here is that I don't have, and, and so what I hear is, I don't hear I don't have the time anymore. What I hear is I'm not going to prioritise. Mm. So when someone says I don't have the time to work on my business, oh, so you're not prioritising your business. And you watch them, their faces go, right, because of course they want to prioritise. Or, you know, I don't have time to go to the kids' sport. Oh, you're not prioritising your kids. Oh, crap. Or your health or whatever it might. You insert whatever they say, I don't have time for. It's You're just not prioritising it. Mm. And so when you put it that way, it's a bit of a wake-up call where you go, well, of course I should be prioritising my business. Of course I should all you know, in context of family and, and other stuff. So um, one of the things I like to, to think about with this is just stopping and, and I encourage people to say, whatever, you, whatever you've got on tomorrow, move it. If, if, you, if this is you, if this is overwhelmed, I'm, I'm just, I haven't got time to think about my systems, I haven't got time to think strategically, I don't know what my social media plan looks like, my systems are all falling over, I don't have time to think about that, you have to stop. Mm. And you're going to say, I don't know, I don't have time for that. And I'm like, all right, so you don't have time to prioritise. You know, you're not prioritising your, um, your business or your systems or your people. Because I will tell you, and this is from a long career in working in lots of different teams and organisations, that you put a good person into a crap system, the crap system will win every time. Mm. And so if you don't really start thinking about how am I going to make my business hum a little more with so that my team can work it better, then you're at risk of just constantly being in this state of, I don't know, it's like on a treadmill, right, yeah. a vicious cycle of never getting ahead. So I do really want, I, I, that's the first thing, is you just got to stop and put some time aside and put your feet up and grab a notebook, put your head back in the chair, big deep breaths, and then start thinking about emptying your mind of everything that's on, like all the systems that you think you've got to put in place, all the stuff that you wish you could do, all the stuff if you had space you would, you would think about doing it. And that's, as a business owner, they're your priorities. Mm. The business is good now. The business can run. It should be able to run now. That's the stuff you want to be thinking about. Essential, not involved. You, there's another section in the book, um, and I, when I was reading it, it's very something very similar than we use within our community, and we call ours a daily focus journal. So it's basically a list of what needs to happen every day, and there's a top three priority for those really important things. People we need to connect with as business owners, I think that gets neglected. And then there's a reflection exercise in the afternoon around um, recognizing those wins we've had during the day because we, as business owners, actually maybe all of us, we tend to gloss over that bit where we've been successful during the day. We're just busy looking for the next thing. We're embracing the busyness rather than taking the conscious thought. You use a very similar um, ideal around making those lists, but finding the focus points in the list. Can you talk us through that a bit, Donna? There's a couple of things. It's um, around, you know, what are the most important? I'm a big fan of the threes, rule of three. So here's all the things I need to do. What are the three things that will make the biggest difference? Um, and the little mantra I have in my head is if I do these three things, my future self will thank me. This mm -hmm. is about building future. That's, that's kind of a way that I think about it. Um, so that's one aspect of it. I also um, ask people, I'm, I'm with you on that you've got to have a done, this is the stuff I've done yes. list. And that's because we're motivated by purpose and um, progress. And so it's important to see our progress is that one. But I'm, I'm not sure if this is what you meant in the book, but the other aspect that I think about when it comes to when you do stuff or what, sorry, what you do is the when of, of what you do. So yeah. I say to everyone, we should be listening to the clock in our bodies, not paying attention to the clock on the wall. 
because we're designed for mental alertness in the morning. We're physically designed for mental alertness in the morning and probably repetitive physical dexterity, if you will, in the afternoon. And so when I carve up my to-do list, it's not always necessarily about the most important or, you know, the most urgent or whatever. It is around what's the best time of day for me to do that? Mm. Does this require me to be switched on mentally? Does this require high levels of mental, you know, um, intensity? Then I need to do that in the morning. Mm. You see, and, and this is where we get the, you know, kind of full circle a bit. This is where we get the decision fatigue coming in because if I'm wasting that morning on just email after email after email or silly decision, 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 by the time I get to the end of the day, I've got nothing left. Someone says, you know, this quote are we going to go with this million dollar option or this million dollar option? And you go, oh, just go with option A. Yeah. And that's decision fatigue, right? Bad decisions. And so I suggest, and I know people might vomit a bit in their mouths as I say this, but I'm a huge fan of saying you shouldn't really be diving into your email till about lunchtime. Mm. Now, right now, if someone's going, but that's where all my business comes from, I'm like, okay, <laughs> good for you. You can scan it. But I want you to have decided the day before you decide that. So that, that little form that you just described that you get people to fill in your process, I they should be doing, I would recommend that they do it the night before so they know the top three things they need to do. Once you get those done, go for your life. Waste it all day in email if you want mm. because you've done the most important stuff. Donna, I can imagine it must be, well, my assumption is it must be very challenging to teach people how to be productive and yet, when I read through the book, I thought, gosh, I could even give this to my teenagers and they would totally understand how to make those simple changes in their day to day. How did you take what you inherently knew and were taught by your parents and bring it into a space where it becomes something that's really practical and teachable? Because I started to unpack what I did every day. Mm. So I paid close attention. So if, if I just do a little wee history lesson, the very first book I wrote, um, well, actually, I've written 10 books. This was probably the one two books ago that is, look, just let's be fair, I've done 10 books. Three of them are absolute rubbish. But, <laughs> you know, four of them are okay and three of them are really good, right? So I'll talk about the three really good ones. So the first of the really good ones was called The 25-Minute Meeting. Yep. And the reason I wrote that is because I'd spent so much time in corporate where we wasted so much time in meetings and I was always able to run meetings really well. Yes. People would leave my meetings and go, that was a really good use of our time. Thank you. That was, you know, really. And so I started to pay attention to what did I do in meetings that made them more effective. And so then I put that in a book. And then the thing with the um, first two hours, which was the second of the better books, um, was me thinking about how do I run my days? Do, you know, because people would say to me, oh, I spend all day in email. And I'd go, do, do you? Gee, that, that, I just don't. Mm -hmm. um, I have a zero inbox. I've always had a zero inbox. And so I started paying attention to how I ran my days, documented that, researched to back it up to make sure I wasn't the only freak on the planet that was working this way. Um, and, and it's what you're talking about is it's, um, uh, oh, gosh, there's a word for it. It's, it's just escaped me, which is very awkward and probably editable. Uh, it'll look up to me. Um, codifying there it is you codify what you do yep. and so in business we try to do this so if you've got a really great operator in your business and they just nail it every single time you want to codify that yep. turn it into a process teach others how to do it and you keep refining it until the next person gets exactly the same results as the original mm -hmm. model if you will mm -hmm. and so I started modeling myself 
around what I did. And so I've always been, people always say to me, you're the queen of relaxation. And yet you've written 10 books, you run a, a business, a global business, you, you do all this stuff, yet you never seem stressed. And so for me, that was the signal, ah, what the hell I do that? Yeah. And so I just codified uh, exactly what I do. So everything in that book is I'd practice exactly what I preach. I write every morning what I'm doing. I don't, you know, if I dip into email when I first get in and go, how much? But I'm a zero inboxer. So I might only have yeah. 10 emails in there, right? Yep. So I go in, just qu- quickly scan. Yep, nothing there. Here's the three things I said I was going to do. Get them done. Um, I've, I'm very, uh, I'm protective of my time in my diary. I never have double bookings like lots of people. I look at their diaries and go, you've got three appointments on at 12 o'clock. How is that even possible? Good question. Right? And they do. This is some of my corporates. Corporates are a world unto their own. Yes. <laughs> and I, had, I had a client say to me, oh, I, you know, I just decided in the last minute the one that looks like it's going to be either the more fun or the more interesting or the more urgent. I'm like, wow. I don't even know how you can do that. No. And so it starts with my curiosity around, wow, how are they, how are they doing that? And then, okay, so how am I doing that? And then I codify it. And I cannot recommend that enough is the, whether it's yourself so if you are running your own business and you don't trust other folks to do it like you because the way you do it is just so special, yes, right? <laughs> you got to codify yourself. You really do, Donna. How did do, when you reflected over this process and you went through and you were understanding, I guess what it is that you do every day? Could you look back and realize it had been taught something you'd always inherently done? Can you see for you where they became great success habits? think so look it's really hard it's all been a blur at 55 you know going back and saying gee when I was five um (laughs) but I do think it was is I I suspect I was born this way in some respects of course Mm. um and my Myers-Briggs type indicator those kind of personality tests would probably support an aspect of that Uh, but I do think it was uh the Navy regimen probably Mm. contributed to that there was never, never, we never were able to say, I don't have time. I, I remember even as a young person, I started at a job and I'd been late, I think, a couple of times and coming home and got in trouble, got in trouble at work because I'd been late, which I know sounds counter to what I'm saying. But I went home to my dad and said, hey, I got in trouble because I was like, they're so mean to me. And dad would not enter, like he was a very kind and compassionate man, but he would not even enter into a conversation around me saying it was public transport or traffic or anything. Yes. Because his motto was always, if it's predictable, it's preventable. Mm -hmm. And so I think that core saying, if it's predictable, it's preventable, has driven a lot. So when people say, but the nature of my business is it's just that it's so blah, 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 blah. Mm. I'd go, well, honey, if it's that predictable, you can put strategies in place to prevent yourself getting so swamped mm. because anything that's predictable is preventable. Totally. So I think that's probably the core of yeah. where all of this, why are our meetings so bad? Well, if our meetings, if it's predictable that our meetings are so bad, we could prevent that. Why is my time... I'm running out of time for everything. We can predict that. Why am I so exhausted and I'm predictably, predictably exhausted? Okay, well, what can we put in place to prevent that? So yeah. I think that's the thinking that probably triggered it. I love it. I, I'm the granddaughter actually of a Air Force grandfather. And so the the whole got to be 10 minutes, you know, on time is 10 minutes early. Yes. I'm very much of the same, cut of the same cloth that you are. And I love it. And my children are the same. 
and it, it's so much more successful in our household because we have all managed to take on board that way of thinking. Nobody's ever late. We're always on time. It is predictable and preventable. It's just fantastic. Donna, I did ask you at the beginning before we started um, about your favorite business tool. I just know you're going to have a cracker. Can you share that with us? It's a little bit self-serving, but um, I wrote my own productivity system and it was kind of in response to the sort of questions you've been asking now. So it's a daily journal. Um, I've also realised that I don't necessarily always think about what I need to do today or this week. My pattern is what do I need to do in the next two weeks? So I have a fortnightly approach to most of my projects are fairly big. So I'll go, what do I need to get done in the next two weeks to progress that? project that could be the, my next book by the way the next I'm loving it. it sounds pretty good right and so I have this it's got it's it's the I call it look to be honest I really designed it because I wanted something yes. and I sell some but it's not really about that it's just I've got a system that works for me and I'm in it every day it is open on my page every day I my to the to-do lists and things that are in there are carved according to Um, the first, second, third, fourth two hours of the day, what's the best time for me to be doing stuff. So when I think of something I need to do, it goes into the right quadrant in my to-do list, which means I can get to after lunch and saying, oh, I'm feeling a bit tired. All right, what have I got in my third two hours list that I could do? And it's usually routine, you know, easy stuff. So, so yes, it's the it's about time productivity system is my favorite business tool. I love quite self serving. <laughs> no, I look. We designed our own favorite tool. I'm going to be honest. Very similar to what you're talking about for our members this year. I would hope if I asked all of them, they'd say the same thing because it is important to understand how you work on a day to day basis to be able to delegate those tasks to be able to as you say, put them in the right time quadrant. So you're spending the right kind of energy on those Mm -hmm. tasks. So I totally get that. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Donna, where can our listeners learn more about you? Oh, they can go to donnamcgeorge.com. And for this specific topic, I've got a website set up, which is the one, number one, the one day refund.com. Um, where if they wanted to, they can order the book. Um, and there's a section called resources where I have a lot of templates and things they can download for free and right. stuff like that. So that they're the, probably the two places. And I'm on, someone said to me once, oh, my God, Donna McGeorge, you are a shameless self-promoter. And, <laughs> and I think they made it as an insult. And I said, thanks for noticing. So you'll find me on all good social media platforms uh, daily. That's fantastic. We'll make sure that we share all of those links in the show notes so that our listeners can easily find you. Thank you, Donna. That was an absolute dream. I really loved your book. Listeners, please take the time to go and read The One Day Refund. There is a bevy more of books of Donna's that you can read. I've, I bought a couple there that I'm going to go and find for myself as well. So please take the time to go and hunt up that book, find Donna and say g'day. Make sure you tell her that you heard about her on the Ladies in Business podcast. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to another episode of Ladies in Business. Got a guest you'd like us to interview? Maybe you have a story to share or some feedback to give. Find us on socials or drop us a message via the Tradies in Business website. Take care of yourself, ladies.